the Missional Life Podcast, inspiring kingdom-minded believers around the world to live the mission of God in their lives. All right, welcome back to the Missional Life Podcast. Today we have Craig Cooney on the show. Craig is a pastor and author from Ireland and is also the director of The Daily Prophetic, a ministry that encourages God's people through words of encouragement backed by scripture. Craig, welcome to the show. Welcome. Great to be with you both. It's such a joy to be Absolutely. with you, Donald and Amanda. Glad you're here. So, Craig, describe for our audience, you know, that maybe isn't familiar with you, with your ministry. What is the Daily Prophetic and mm-hmm. how did you first begin that part of your ministry? Daily Prophetic is an online prophetic ministry of encouragement. And it began pretty much exactly five years ago, uh, around mid uh, 2018. I my background was in marketing and uh, I was familiar with social media and Facebook, but I'd never used Instagram. And it honestly, I would love to tell you that Angel showed up and told me to start a prophetic ministry on Instagram, but I really just kind of wanted to update some of my skills. And so I, I, I set up an Instagram page called Daily Prophetic. And I just, each day I would just say, Lord, what do you want to say to your people to encourage them? And I would write it down and post it, not really with any expectation of anything whatsoever. Um, and I just kept doing that day after day. And it, it got traction. And I, I was stunned. I have to be completely honest. I, I just, it was one of those things that God breathed on. And a saying, uh, follow your favor. And if God is breathing on something, push into it, lean into it. And that's what I just did. And so five years on, I guess it hasn't really changed that much. Um, a hundred thousand followers later, it's still, God, what do you want to say to your people? And very often I have found that what God is doing in my life is what he, and you see that with prophetic people throughout scripture, even God uses them almost as a, a physical example of what he's doing among his people. And so very often that will be something that's going on inside me that that is representative of of what God is doing on a broader scale. I, I never believe that one particular word is relevant for every single person who reads that. It can't be, but I believe that it's rel- relevant to enough people to resonate with them. And uh, and so five years on, I'm just that's still what I'm doing. I'm just saying, Lord, what do you want to say to your people? And I'm writing it down as best I can and trying to share it with, with God's people. And, and thankfully every day I receive messages of encouragement telling me that it's spoken to them. It's helped them. It's been such a clear word for them. Um, and uh, I'm just so deeply grateful for that. Um, what I, what catches my attention is that when you started this, it wasn't you know, you made a joke of it. It wasn't an angel that came and um and did it, but it just was something that you felt impressed to do, and you started doing it. And so, you know, so many times that people are waiting for the that kind of flash, that flash to this God's like yeah. giving you a direction, like this is what you need to do. And oftentimes, it's just that that still small voice kind of leading you into it, and then that consistency. You you just kept doing it. You kept doing it. So many times we want to do something, yeah. And that's key. That's key, Daniel. Um consistency i have so many 
friends and other people who have started up similar ministries and within three months they just stop because they haven't got 50,000 followers. Um, and it's just consistency. I, I and it, funny, even in our own church, I was talking to, we had our AGM last week and I, I said, guys, one of the reasons God has blessed us as a church is we're just consistent. <laughs> we just show up. We preach the word, we invite the Holy Spirit, we worship Jesus, we create community, we reach the lost, we don't do anything particularly exciting. But I believe there's something about that consistency that that God honors and, and it's something that is lacking today because everybody wants to be an overnight success. Everybody wants to go viral within three weeks. And, and I do believe that the Lord really honors consistency uh, whether that's seen or unseen. And uh, we see that throughout scripture. So many of the people who we see as the heroes of scripture had so much time in the wilderness, in the desert, behind the scenes being prepared and when nobody saw them. And uh, and I think there's a sense of where God would say, you know, if you will be faithful, and, and we see that, if you will be faithful when nobody's watching, um, when I expose you, I can trust you. When I When I bring you to the forefront, I know that you're not just doing it to try to build a, a platform or to try to get a name for yourself. Um, I, I, you know, one of the things I, I often say is I think us Irish are a little bit different in that we we are understated about everything and we try to fly below the radar and we don't particularly. So when I started Daily Prophetic, I actually blocked everyone I knew from accessing it because I, I just had a real imposter yeah. syndrome around it. And then I just kind of thought, who would want to read anything I would write? Um, and I literally blocked everybody that I knew. And uh, it took me quite a while to get over that, actually, and to realize that, for, by God's grace, this is speaking to people. But I, I had a deep imposter syndrome and a deep sense of insecurity and inferiority about about putting myself out there and and actually believing that God could speak through me. So can you speak to that a little bit more for our listeners too? Like just how, how did that process work with, you know, feeling that, but then just, you know, continuing having that consistency, like you talked about, did it gradually improve? Did you kind of, did you have um, scriptures that you stood on to, you know, help yeah. in that, those emotions? Yeah, Amanda. There was there was one particular defining moment that I always come back to, um, where it was probably six nine months into it, where I got a DM from somebody I'd known for twenty years from my college days, who somehow had slipped through the net of being blocked, and they uh, they told me how something I had posted had deeply spoken to a very messy awful situation in their life um, and how it had pulled them out of a, a really deep, dark place. And it was almost like that day something shifted within me. And I thought, because this is somebody who would be very conservative, very, they, you know, they wouldn't be into the prophetic. I didn't. And, and to get, a, to get an encouragement from them who had known for 20 years, just, it was almost like God said, Craig, how many other people are not, getting this because you're you're so self-aware of and so self-conscious of what people but I, I that was probably 2019 and I still remember that message 
um, as being a defining moment of just something breaking within me that uh, that insecurity and inferiority just was broken. And uh, and I mean, I think we always go back to those, and I think it's something constantly that we have to do. I think um, that we we withdraw or we. Whatever that default is for us, we continually have to keep pulling ourselves out of it. So when I wrote my first book, I went through the same. Who would want to read anything I would write? <laughs> and so I, I did a, such a small print run of the attention of transition. And now I don't know how many thousands of copies later, I've just had to get over myself a little bit and go, you know what, if God has given you something to say, uh, you've got to get it out there. But I have to be honest, we, we have this culture here in Northern Ireland where uh, Nate Johnson, who's a, a friend of mine, and I know you would follow him as well. In Australia, they call it tall poppy syndrome, where they, if as soon as you start to get some prominence or being noticed, there's a people like crabs in the bucket, they love to tear you down. And and there is a little bit of that in our culture. We, we don't like people getting bigger than we think they should be uh, but you know what there's something where the holy spirit just uh has to has to deal with that stuff in our hearts and i think i would be more concerned for the people who want to build a platform and want to get noticed and want everybody to hear them um I, I, that was never my intention and uh, if anything the lord has had to pull me pull me through that and and deal with some of my own insecurities and inferiority and and um but he has been so gracious in that and every day there's not a day goes by that I don't receive messages from people telling me that my words have encouraged them and so that's that's what I actually save them in a folder now because we all have those days when we get the other kind of messages and uh, or we're just feeling rubbish and so it's important, I think, that we encourage ourselves. David strengthened himself in the Lord. And I have started keeping those messages for those days when I think, I, I just, what am I doing here? Um, and uh, and I think it's really important that we we receive encouragement well and we give encouragement well. Wow. There's so much there. And I just want to kind of highlight a few of the things that kind of stuck out to me was just how, again, as if when you started doing those things, you there was that fear of man, um, and you you almost preempted it. You kind of decided to kind of stop uh, people from receiving it that you knew. And I thought that was just really interesting because so many times we want to just you know um, protect ourselves, and there's that fear of man. We want to kind of limit the pain, and um, and immediately you almost started hearing those voices, you know, the enemy. It's like Jesus, you know, the, the enemy started attacking his identity. Who are you? And, and Craig, who are you to start doing this? And and why are people going to listen to you? And so, we, you know, anytime we step out and try to start following the Lord, we're going to hear those voices. And what I also thought was really amazing is that you, you know, just like God told his Israelites, when you go through that, when you go through that sea, pick up some stones and you know remember and remember mm. remember what i did for you and i think that that's really great that you you take those those certain words or some some of those emails and remind yourself cuz you know you will face those oppression um and there will be challenges but we need to remind ourselves of of, of the things that god has called us to do yeah. and and the wins because there will be challenges and you know um no, none of us don't have challenges we all have 
those sorts of challenges. And so, but take us back, you know, you, you touched on it a little bit, but how did you first like begin to like identify that you had this prophetic calling and how did you begin to, to act in that first of all? Yeah, my wife and I were talking about this recently, actually, and it's been a very gradual thing for both of us. Um, I think I, when I first became a, a Christian, a believer in my teens, over a period of about two years, I received probably eight or nine prophetic words. Wherever It was just one of those periods of time I, between my sort of 15, 17 years of age. I was a new believer not from a Christian family. And I just felt like everywhere I go, I went, I was picked out and received. You're going to be in leadership. Um, God is going to use you in ministry. Da, da, da. And, and so I was familiar with the prophetic. And then I kind of set all of that stuff aside for a, probably a good part of my 20s and would have went much more conservative, reformed. Um, and I loved the Bible teaching in that environment. And I loved the depth of of theology in that environment, but I always felt like there was something lacking. There was something of, of just the tangible manifest presence of the Holy Spirit. And I love the scriptures and I'm, I preach 45 minutes expository every week still. So I, I just, I'm a man of the word, but then I, I met my wife. Um, who was from a, a meth. Her dad was a Methodist pastor. I met her in my, when I was 30, 30, actually, no, I was 33 and she was 30 and she had never really had an encounter with the Holy Spirit before. And so she got filled, baptized with the Spirit, began to speak in tongues and she was just hungry. Um, you know, I had left all that stuff behind 10, 15 years before, but she just started devouring these books and the prophetic and intercession and having dreams and visions. And so, so she kind of pulled me into it at that stage. I was uh, just ordained as a pastor probably a year or two before that. And and so we started uh, going to conferences, starting getting around prophetic voices, but it was very much in a sense of receiving it rather than giving it. Um, and for, that would have been the case for up until 10 years ago, I would say. And then we just began to find that uh, when we'd be praying for people, we would start to get pictures or we would just get a sense of something or we would... Um, we would be reading the scriptures in the morning and a verse would jump out and somebody would come to mind and we would share it with them. And and that's just been such a gradual process, I would say, over the last uh, 10 years. Um, and I think it's coming to this understanding that it's not abnormal to hear the voice of God. Jesus said in John 10, my sheep hear my voice so the only qualification to hear the voice of god is to be a sheep to be a follower of jesus um and i think we make it much more dramatic and spectacular and and more difficult uh, than it should be we expect a booming voice from heaven we expect the angels to be river dancing on the duvet in the morning and and literally, it was coming to this understanding that if you are a child of God, it is your birthright to hear the voice of God. And he will speak in many and various ways. He will speak to uh, different people, predominantly in different ways. But it's, it was just coming to this understanding of, of 
it is my birthright as a child of God. And then once that happens, then I think it's taken the risk. I believe that so many Christians, God is speaking to them much more than they realize, but they just, one, they don't believe they can hear him. They don't believe it's him and they don't take the risk of actually sharing it with somebody else. Because we don't, we don't want to look foolish. We don't want to look ridiculous. And so that's been a journey for me. I would say something shifted around 2015 when I began to, I found my preaching became much more prophetic. So I remember I was invited into one of the most influential churches here in Ireland and um, the church that the song, these are the days of Elijah there's, it came out of. And I was invited in there in 2015 to bring a message and I began to get a download for this church. And I mean, they, they, they still have it printed out today. Um, in 2015, I stood up in front of this big influential church and, and began to speak into them. And I said, you need to update your audio visual. You need to update your ability to stream your services. And in, 20, in May 2015, I said this, you won't need it now, but you will need it in 2020. And I don't even remember saying that, but they played back the recording to me when COVID hit. And they did update all their stuff. And they were able to reach thousands of people then when 2020 hit. So there was something began to shift around 2015. And then 2016 was when we had our transition season, which we'll talk about maybe in a minute. But uh, God began to speak to me in uh, visions and dreams and to my wife through that season. And I think it became much more obvious, much more prominent. I think at the significant turning points of your life, um, God speaks more frequently and more clear because the decisions you're making are more important. Um, and I, I don't like using this analogy, but it's helpful that when you're driving and your GPS is silent, it's just keep going in the same direction. But when there's a turn coming up, it begins to t talk a lot more. And I don't like that analogy because I don't like comparing God to a GPS. But I do think it's helpful that, that <clears throat> to say that God speaks most at the turns. That at the significant transitional moments of your life, you will find that, that God will begin to speak clearer and more frequently to you and also to other people confirming what he's already saying to you. Wow. I, I love that. And what stood out to me is, I forget the exact wording you said, but just as God's children, it is your birthright to, to hear his voice. And that's, I've never really heard that said before, but that's, it's so true. And it's, it's our birthright. It's our privilege. It's, it's just what a blessing, but for the person who's new to hearing God's voice, I mean, at some point we all hear him or we begin to hear him but we also hear other voices so for somebody who you know hears god fairly clearly maybe not perfectly but um fairly clearly how do you discern how do you know those different voices and say yes that's god i know that a hundred percent and from these other voices that begin to um that you also hear good question um that takes a bit of time i think uh, you have kids i have a child we both spoke to our kids before they could understand what we were saying. When my little boy Elijah was born, I held him in my arms and began speaking to him. And ten and a half years later, I'm speaking to him. But the level of his, of his comprehension is totally different. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and I think that that God is always speaking to us, but our level of comprehension changes as we mature and develop in our faith. And as we understand the language of God and the voice of God and how he primarily speaks to us. Um, I would say to anyone starting off, this is what I would do with people who are starting off. I tend to say something like, take Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. Read through that three, four times slowly and say, God, would you give me a verse for, and pick a person in your life. Would you give me a verse for, for Dorothy and work? And then I would say to you, just text Dorothy that verse and say, you know, I was just reading Psalm 23 today and, uh, I just, I, was, I, I got stuck on the, the verse, um, I shall lack nothing. And I just feel like God wants to tell you he's your provider. Mm. And in your daily devotional, as you read the scripture every day, and as well as reading for yourself, say, God, I want to encourage somebody today. Because the prophetic is primarily about strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. That's what it says in 1 Corinthians 14. It's not about predicting the future or impressing people with your spiritual knowledge. It is about strengthening, encouraging, and comforting God's people. And so if your heart is to encourage the people of God, God will entrust you with his secrets, with his thoughts. The other illustration I like to use is that, you know, it says in Psalm 139 that the thoughts that God has about us, us outnumber the grains of sand. That's a lot of thoughts. You think about beaches and deserts and golf course bunkers. There's a God has constantly got his people on his mind. And all you're doing is you're plucking one of those thoughts. You're taking one of those grains of sand. And so all I would very often do is say, Lord, what would you like to say to Bob today? And I would just say, I would just sit for a moment and I will have the courage then just to say, Bob, I just want to say to you today that I, I believe God thinks you're doing a great job as a dad. Uh, I just want to encourage you in that. I was praying for you today and I feel like God, and it's amazing when you do that, how many times they come back and they go, you even know, I just had the biggest, you know, argument with my son and I, I thought he hated it. And thank you for sharing that. And so there's always a little bit of risk involved, I think. But as long as you are, as long as your heart is to strengthen encourage and comfort, and as long as you're sticking close to scripture, I think it's very hard to go wrong. Mm -hmm. So let's take Psalm 23, for example, which is where I would start teaching people the prophetic. It is very hard to, to speak any of those six verses over someone and do something that's going to ruin their life. <laughs> Good. So here's, let me, I would take a group and I will get them into groups of four. And I will say, I want you just to read through and say, God, give me a verse for somebody. And let's take the, I shall not want, I shall not lack. So the first thing I would say to them is, I want you just to say that to them. I believe God wants you to say to you that uh, I shall not want. The next time then I would say to them, I want you to pray that over the person. Dear Father, thank you for Julie. Thank you, Lord, that you're her provider. And thank you, Lord, that you're going to provide for all of her needs. That's not that difficult. Most people who have never done anything prophetic can go along with that. The third one is where I stretch them a little bit. And I've done this in many groups with teenagers right up to 80-year-olds. 
I've said, instead of praying it over them, I want you to look at them and I want you to speak it over them. And I let's so let's do this with you, Amanda. I believe the Lord wants to say to you that you shall not want, that he is your provider, that you will always have enough, that even as you look to the future, you're beginning to wonder where are some of these things going to come from? Have we got the resources that we need? How will I look after my children? And I believe the Lord wants to say to you today that he is Jehovah Jireh. He is your provider. You will lack nothing. You have everything you need in him. And as you take the step of faith, you will find that he will give you everything you need. Did you see the shift there? Mm -hmm. Did you sense the shift? Mm -hmm. That when you're speaking God's word, and I believe that was a word for you, by the way, um, when you're speaking God's word directly over somebody like that, there's something that happens. And people, I've watched 15-year-old teenage boys in the inner city just go, I can't believe that I was able to, and you know, they've done that and they've watched the impact of that. And they've went, I can't believe I can hear God's voice. Mm. How simple was that? And yet it's so powerful when we speak God's word. So start there before we get into, you know, I had a vision of you going across a, you know, a tightrope on a unicycle, you know, like start with just speaking a verse of God's word over somebody's life. You cannot go wrong. And as you do that, you get the confidence. You begin to go, I actually can hear his voice. People respond to it and you stretch out and you risk a little bit more and you go a little bit further and you push a little bit more and you begin to, when I, when I call my wife now, I don't need to say it's Craig here. She knows my voice. Mm-hmm. And, and I think just over time, you begin to discern that's God. That's how God speaks to me. And he speaks to people in different ways. And I have a thing where I talk about prophetic personalities where some people are, are feelers. You just, you, you feel things. So you will be with somebody praying for them and you will just feel their emotions. And you, a minute before that, you weren't feeling what you're feeling, but you're feeling it now and you're going, God, where is this coming from? And it's God transferring something to you so that you can pray for them. Um, so you're praying for somebody and, and suddenly you feel sadness and you're there, but you're not sad. And, you, and so you just said, Lord, I just, or you can even just say to them, are you, is there anything at the moment that you're feeling particularly sad or disappointed about so there's 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 failures there's nowhere there's people who just know things and it's not in a sense of know it all but there's times when you just know something and you think how did i know that i have no idea how i knew that but i just you know you find yourself almost saying things and you're thinking how did nobody has ever told me that but i just know that or i just have such a deep conviction about that um, at the minute I'm about to take on a new staff member in church and um, I'd never met the guy before and about five, six months ago somebody mentioned him to me and I said would he ever come and work for me and they went not a chance, no way and I just in my spirit I just knew and I, I put it aside and for four or five months the Holy Spirit just kept saying to me contact him, contact him, contact him two months ago I contacted him, meet him for coffee and uh, we're drawing up his job description this week. 
Um, I just knew. I, I can't explain it in any other way. So there's feelers, there's knowers, um, there's there's seers who are visual. Uh, my wife would fall into that category. You would get pictures, visions, dreams. You just see things. Mm. Um, before we moved to this church that we're at at the moment, um, we my wife kept having visions and pictures of a white house with a tree house. And I, I just... She sees so much that I kind of just roll my eyes sometimes and uh, and would say, yeah, whatever, Becky. And the house, the church didn't have a house for, for the pastor to live in, um, which in our denomination, they all do. And because uh, and, it was a new church. And uh, as we were beginning to really pray and to come into this church, our friends put on Facebook, we're moving to New Zealand for a year. Would anyone like to rent our house? And it was a white house with a tree house, exactly like the one my wife had described. And that's where we ended up. It was, it was a mile from the church. Wow. Uh, and we ended up living there for a year. Um, and uh, there's one other one. So there's knowers, there's uh, feelers, there's uh, visual, and there's one other one that I will come to in a moment or two. But I, I think it's it's understanding just that that the way, Dan, you hear God may be different than the way Amanda hears God. Hearer, hearer is the last one. Where you just you, you hear God's voice, not audibly most of the time, but you just you you hear the still small voice of God. Um, I would be probably that way more inclined as well. Um, so, Amanda, you could be more visual, Dan. You could be more of a hearer, but when the two come together, it's it's still the same God saying the same thing to you both. <laughs> um. And I think it's really important to, to begin to understand primarily, I, I think you can be all four, but I always say there will be one that's more dominant. What, what would you say for you guys? Is there, would you, would there be one that stands out for you? Yeah. You know, for me, a lot of, I think I probably would say a feeler. Um, mm. I think, especially because when I play my play music, I think mm. I can kind of discern different things. Um, I think, I don't know. I would say visual for me. Mm. I've, you know, God's given me different pictures of yeah, things. That's true. Um, yeah. And I would say feeler as well, mm. um, just because, um, I don't know, I can sense changes in atmospheres. And, yeah. You know, I'm always curious, like, what is the spiritual warfare like in different places? Mm. And, like, how can how can we be prepared for that? You know, or are, are you walk into an environment and immediately you just sense something? Oftentimes I can. Everybody, you know, so um, there's churches that I've walked into and everybody is really engaged in the worship, but I just sense something's off. Mm. And it's really hard to describe or define and you're really trying not to be judgmental and you're trying to enter into it, but you just sense there's something off here. Um, even honestly, as a pastor, some Sundays in my own church, we will start the service and I'll just go, there's something going on here. That's not good. <laughs> Whether it's somebody has come into the service who is disruptive or there's people praying against it, or, and sometimes I, I will just call a few intercessors and say, guys, will you just walk around the building and, and pray? Um, and I think there is that sense of just, um, of being able to, to discern spiritual atmospheres um, and feel what what's what's going on in the room, um, and I think particularly in these days, 
discernment and that sense of mm -hmm. feeling is going to become more and more important. Where mm -hmm. yeah. not everything, especially in these times we're living in, not everything is as it seems. Yes. <laughs> you know, very it's very hard to take things on the surface mm -hmm. in any walk of life. Um, in the church, we've seen sifting. In the media, we've seen a lack of trust in politicians and with all of that. And I just, I believe there's just something about Christians need discernment right now. We desperately need discernment. Not so we can be conspiracy theorists or poking holes in everything, just so that we can discern the truth and, and act according to to what's really going on as opposed to what we're being told or what or what we what the predominant narrative is uh, christians have never needed discernment i think more than they need in this season and i think you know to that point just you know holding on to the hope that we profess mm. right it's just like instead of feeling like you know you hear all these news all these things and you can start to feel very depressed and very like how are we going to do anything during this time? Like, how are things going to change? How, how, how? And yet flipping that, it's just, again, focusing past Goliath, looking at God yeah. and knowing that discernment. Okay, like we are not the victims. We are more than overcomers, more than conquerors. And, yeah. you know, God's given us everything we need and to stand together as the the global church and really just press in and say, okay, God, you know, what you know, like what you were saying earlier, how can we encourage the body of Christ today to keep going yeah. and keep walking that path and know that we, we are on the offense. We win, you know, yeah. God shows us that in revelation. We've read we, the end of the book. We know how it finishes. Yeah. I know you have a new book coming out. It kind of talks about a new era, but I want to circle back just really quick to a couple mm -hmm. of things that you, um, that you mentioned. And it just, I love how you said, that just really start with speaking God's word over people. Mm. And um, because really you can't really go wrong uh, with, with speaking God's word. And it just reminds me of when uh, our daughter was very young, um, since she's been a baby, uh, we uh, have spoken or I have spoken kind of prophetically over her. I just have a routine. I, I touch her and her head and say, you have the mind of Christ. Your ears hear the voice of Jesus. Your eyes see the needs of the poor. And, so, and I speak prophetically that you're, that, um, and I speak these things, your hands, um, everything you put your hand to is blessed, successful, prosperous, these things from that are, that are scripturally based, you know? And, yeah. um, and one time I remember she was maybe three years old and, uh, I was kind of in a rush and I was kind of walking out of the room and she, as I was kind of getting ready to, to leave, she grabbed my hand and, and I, I looked back and she put her hand or my hand on her head. And she began saying those declarations wow. that I've been speaking to her over her. Wow. And, and beautiful. that's, that's the picture that God has for us. Yeah. He, he loves to hear his children speak his words. Yeah. And I just, that, that's, that's what gets the father's heart is when, he, when, when his children operate and believe and trust and speak the same about themselves as he's been speaking over them. And I think it's such a, it's a, it's an amazing thing. And I, and we've seen those things come to pass that she hears the voice go like you asked what we, we operate and we, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a, more of a feeler. You're probably a seer and a feeler. She's a seer. Um, I remember one time she was uh, scared one night and, and she had just heard a message from our, our pastor's wife and she was scared and she started praying to God and she saw this dark thing in her room. It was very, very scared. You know, she was very scared and she prayed. And then 
she was telling us like then later she started to see she described it as a wagon but she's like the one with only two wheels and she saw a, a chariot circle that circle that darkness and the Whoa. darkness left and um so just those things those those are powerful powerful things that when we start speaking those words over people something happens because the word is a seed right and when we when the seed that is planted it bears fruit it has nothing else to do it, it that's what it's intended to do is yeah. to bear fruit and speak god's word over your own life speak god's blessing over your own life mm-hmm. i leave my son to school every morning and if about a 10 15 minute car ride on the way home and the first five minutes is just giving thanks Thank you for my wife. Thank you for my son. Thank you for our church. Thank you. And the next 10 minutes is decreeing and declaring the blessing and favor of God over every area and aspect of my life. And I started it about two years ago. Um, And every day, that's what I do. In the name of Jesus, I decree and declare the blessing and favor of God over my family. In the name of Jesus, over our home, over our church. And I've started over my finances, over hope daily prophetic over and I just do that day after day after day and I'm just decreeing and declaring the favor and the blessing of God over my life and you know what people would say that's name it and claim it blah but it is not it is declaring what it is declaring the goodness and the blessing of God over your life and can I say that is my life perfect no but I believe there is a level of favor and blessing that has come on my life since I started doing that that I'm not going to stop (laughs) There's a level of favor that has come that uh, I haven't experienced ever before. And I, I do it day after day. You know, years ago, God spoke to my wife and I um, before we transitioned out of the previous church we were in that he was going to give us a large lump sum of money. Now, for me, a large lump sum would be like a thousand bucks. You know, I mean, really, like we were not, we were never wealthy. Um, and so I went before God and I said, God, how much? And the figure he gave me was, uh, 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 it was, it was $50,000. Actually, the number he gave me was 50,000. Okay. And I just went, God, that has to be you because in my head, I could never have come up with that ever. And so I told my wife, the Lord has told me 50,000 and we were living in the South of Ireland at the time where they use Euro. And I was like, Lord, is it Euro or is it pounds where I live in? And uh, I didn't know. So I just kept decreeing and declaring, God, thank you that you've given us 50,000. Thank you that you've given us 50,000. For 18 months, I did that. Nothing showed up. (laughs) And I was burnt out. I was in a bad place. A guy visited our church, a businessman from originally from Ireland, has been living in California for 25 years. He said, can I take you out to lunch? I didn't even know he was in Ireland. He said, can I take you out to lunch? We went out to lunch. He said, you're burnt out. I said, how do you know? He says, because I've just come back from a year off with burnout. He said, you need a sabbatical. I said, I do. He said, God spoke to me this morning and told me I have to give you $50,000 for a sabbatical. The exact amount that for 18 months I had been declaring over my life. He says, I want you to have a sabbatical that the church doesn't have to pay for. And uh, I just wept. (laughs) My wife wept and he came through and uh, he blessed us. We were able to go through. We were in a really rough place at that time and, and that enabled us to get healed up and to provide for our family at a time when we needed just some space. And so, um, 
I just have this, I, I, I hate because I know it can come across as name it and claim it, but it's actually simply repeating what God has already said to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not saying I drive a Bentley. You know, right. unless God has yeah. told you that you're going to drive. It's it's simply you hear the rhema word of God and you begin to speak it till you see it. And I have seen it happen again and again and again, where what I speak eventually shows up in my life. But that took 18 months of seeing nothing. But I knew because God had spoken it. And then I saw it. And I would just encourage your listeners to write out five, ten declarations. Write out the promises of God. Write out the things that God has spoken over your history. Sometimes there's prophetic words that you've received 10, 12, 15, 20, 30 years ago that you haven't seen come to pass. Take those things off the shelf dust them off and begin to speak them over your life. Begin to decree and declare them over your life. And I do believe that God is faithful to his word. But, you know, there's something about speaking the word of God, releasing it into the atmosphere that shifts something that just having it on a piece of paper, uh, gathering dust won't do. Yeah, it just reminds me of the woman who, you know, had the bleeding issue and, and it talks about how she you know, reaches out and touches the tassel, but it sounds like I forget the scripture, but it's um how it said that, but it's just like she mutters and she's like, yeah. she was speaking and she was like saying it over and over and over. If and I over. touch him, I'll be healed. If yeah. I touch him, I'll be healed. Yeah. If I can she, just touch his hem of his garment, I'll be healed. Yes. Yeah. And, but it, like in the language, it was just that she repeated, repeated, repeated. And, and, and she saw that happen. You know, I, I, that story, I, the, the thing in that story is Jesus sensed that power had gone out from him. That, that blows me away. That she made a withdrawal that Jesus wasn't expecting to give that day. She actually, by her faith, withdrew something from him that he turned around and went, who touched me? That when we in faith believe what God has said to us and act on it, we actually, we can we can pull something from not that he's reluctant, because Jesus was never reluctant to give her, but we can actually draw on the resources of heaven that may not have been received if we didn't do that act of faith. So, for the for the listener that's you know encouraged, wants to step out in the in in faith and begin kind of this new journey, walking with God, kind of declaring those things, and you know we were talking about earlier too the kind of the shifting in the global atmosphere, you know, atmosphere, mm. just different things. You've written a book and uh, it looks like it's called The Blueprint, 40 Days of Prophetic Wisdom, Insights and Direction for a New Era. So tell us some about the inspiration experience that motivated you to write the book. And then what does new era mean to you? I think we all would agree that something shifted around the start of 2020. We didn't really realize, I mean, you will know that, we will know that, that something shifted and it's not going back to the way it was. It doesn't mean there's a complete discontinuity. There's certain aspects of life that continue, but there is something that has happened in the physical world and in the spiritual world that is never going back to pre-pandemic. As a pastor, I see that in church. Uh, We see it in politics. We see it in, in, in geopolitical events. We see it in financial institutions. There is something that has shifted that isn't going back. 
we talk a lot about new seasons in the Christian life. Seasons happen frequently by nature. <laughs> an era is a totally different thing. An era is, is a complete shift. Even in your own life, you will have different seasons, but you will have only a handful of major transitions. Most people in their life will probably have somewhere between five to 10 major transitions. Getting married, having children, moving overseas, um, losing a spouse, whatever, you know, something where it's a, a defining, a major transition is a defining moment where actually your life, you can break it up into before the transition and after the transition. For us, 2016 was that. When we walked away from a church we had poured our lives into for five years, into nothing. <laughs> we had no jobs, we had nowhere to live, we had nothing. That was a major transition that we look back on and we see that everything that has come from it, including Daily Prophetic and all the books, that was a demarcation line in our lives. And I believe 2020 was one of those demarcation lines. On the 30th of December 2019, so just as we were moving into 2020, God gave me a word like I've never had before. I came in, we'd been out with the family all day, and I came in and I just began to dictate into my phone. I hit record and I said, 2020 is going to be a pivotal year. It's going to be the most significant year of the last 50 years, and it's going to define the next 10 years. And I had a vision. I saw the National Guard on the streets of America. I live in Ireland. I didn't even know what the National Guard were, but I, I began to speak out about the National Guard, about racial division, about tectonic plates I saw underneath the surface, a grinding, and something was going to be released in 2020 that would affect the entire decade of the 20s. And... Uh, with great trepidation and fear of the Lord, I sent it out to my newsletter, my mailing list, and I sent it to one or two other sites. And I had so many unsubscribers you wouldn't believe because people did not want to hear that. And I understand because everybody else was coming out saying 2020 vision, the year of double portion. And here I am coming out saying it's going to be, you know, a pretty horrendous year. <laughs> um and then things, that was, like I say, the 30th of December, 2019. And then by March, I got those people resubscribed because we began to see all the stuff happening around us. Um, and I do believe there's three words that the Lord began to give me. The first one was shaking. And I think we all know we're in a significant shaking and the shaking isn't stopping. I would love to be able to say that everything's going to be lovely for the next five years. But we see what's happening in Ukraine. We see with the tensions with China. We see uh, what's happening in, in, in certain places in Africa right now. We see what's happening with uh, just different regions of the world. The shaking is not stopping. In the political realm, we see it. The next word was sifting. The Lord has been sifting his church. Boy, have we seen that. We're all aware of the high-profile things that are making the news, but even as a pastor uh, in a little church here in Northern Ireland, we have seen sifting. There's something that God is doing where there's there was a model of church pre-2020 that worked, 
And I'm not saying it was bad or it was good. It was just what it was. And it just doesn't work anymore. The show is over. God is purifying his bride. He is purifying his people. And he will not tolerate a show in his name anymore. And I have many dear friends who are part of those big church movements. um, And they would say this has been the most difficult season they have ever experienced. There is a sifting happening where God doesn't want people just to show up and sing songs and go home. He wants people who are radically devoted and committed to him. He wants to come back for a bride who has made herself ready. And sadly, the bride became obsessed with the bride. The bride became so enamored with her own reflection instead of the groom. And Jesus wants a bride who are passionately in love with him. So we've got shaking, we've got sifting, and they're continuing. And the third one then was squeezing. And even in 2020, when things were financially, I know there was a blip when COVID first hit and the economy dropped, but it rebounded really quickly. Uh, God began to speak to me that we're going to hit a serious financial squeeze. And we've began to see that with inflation, with uh, the cost of um, fuel and different things. And, and I really believe that this is going to be a difficult decade for, for the nations financially. I, I believe we are on a tipping point of seeing a major economic... Fr- I, 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 I'm trying to think of the best word to use here, um, which isn't... Uh, which doesn't sound like scaremongering, but I do believe we're going to see a major economic challenge in the coming months um, before probably the end of 2023. We've, I mean, we're already, how many banks have went, had to shut in the last two months? Six, I think. Six major banks. Yeah. I think we're only scratching the surface here. Um, and I... I I love giving the words of God wants to bless us and prosper us and blah, blah. But there's other times where the words are more sober. Um, and I do believe we're living in a, a time where we need to be sober minded and alert. I do believe that we are living in a time where there's so much deception. There's so much going on. And I do believe that the Lord's people need to really press into him and to hear his voice, to get into his word, And to say, Lord, what would you have me do? That we would be like the sons of Issachar. That we would understand, not only understand the times and seasons, but that we would know what to do. That we would know how to respond. And that's going to be different for you than it is for me. But Lord, what? how can I be most effective for your kingdom in this season? What choices, what decisions can I make? What should I do with my finances? Where should I invest my time? Lord, what would you have me do in this significant transitional moment of history that you have placed me in? Because Acts 17 says that he determined the times and places where we would live. Lord, what would you have me do that I would be most effective for your kingdom at this time and this place so that you would receive your full inheritance? Wow. Amazing. You caught me. I'm just listening and and it just resonates in my spirit as well. I mean, we 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 sense that for those, you know, he said 
he who has ears, let him hear, you know? And mm-hmm. I think th- those are the words like, Hey, you know, if you're paying attention, there's things going on. Like God didn't, it, it, Jesus, you, know, you kind of like, hear different things in the scripture. It says like, no man knows the day or the hour. And so many people hang on that, that, that time. But it also says that like, man, like it shouldn't surprise. Like he, yeah. he gives a lot of clues that like, you should see these, he's coming. You should be ready to lift up your yeah. heads. You, and, and he, and so those who have ears and eyes, let them see, let them hear these things this of this day and the hour. And I think you're, you're exactly, you know, on point that um, things are shifting and, it it doesn't mean it's all bad, but there are different things that are changing, you know, and we need to be prepared and be positioned yeah. for what God has for each of us in the next season. And I love how, you know, you've kind of created this kind of uh, a 40 days of prophetic wisdom, insights and direction. Yeah. The new era book. So, so um, that book, yeah, sorry, I didn't actually answer your that book was really trying to to process what is happening and put language around it. <laughs> So I talk about what does it mean for there to be a new era? How does that affect our relationships with other people? What about the sifting of the church? What about, uh, so I go into a lot of those different things. It's one of those books that, that, that has a lot of threads to it, but I'm trying to say, Lord, in this new era, what are you doing and how do we respond? That's really what the blueprint is. Um, it's, it's, it's kind of the, I wrote a book on the tension of transition, which was much more about personal transition and how we respond. If anything, the blueprint is, it touches on that, but it also says in this bigger transition that's happening on a global scale, what's going on? There's a huge global tension of transition and how do we, re, how do we respond to that? What can we do? And it's by no means a definitive thing. Um, it's one of those books that I'll probably write volume two next year um, as things continue to change. But I, I, it was the hardest book I've ever written. I spent six months writing it last year. And then I set it down and, and didn't edit it for about another five months because I literally had just, it, it took so much out of me to write it. And then I began to see some of the things I'd written about start to happen in the world. Um, like what we're seeing with the banks and things like that. I'd written about some of that stuff in the blueprint that I foresaw some of the financial institutions starting. So I went, I have to get this book out actually because it's going to be outdated if I don't soon. So, um, so I rushed it out in the last month or so. Wow. So what do you feel like would be, you know, a word for the global church? You know, we've been talking about all these situations, kind of all these different things. You've kind of prepared a, a book for a lot of you know people to walk through. But what would you say is there is there a word for the global body of Christ for this time and this place for this maybe even using your word era? That's a difficult to put into one thing. I think the word is always come back to me. Hmm. I think this is a season where God is calling his people to come back to the things that matter most to him. It's a season of repentance. It's a season of confession. It's a season of humbling ourselves before him and saying, God, in some ways we really got it wrong. We were building our own empires. We were building our own monuments to our own glory. And coming back and saying, God, I want to do things the way you want them done. And whatever that takes and whatever that means and whatever changes I need to make and whatever shifts I need to make in my life, I'm willing to do that. Because somewhere along the way, I lost my way a little bit. 
and this became about something that it was never meant to be. And I say that as a person who's been a believer for 33 years and a pastor for 17, that in our own church, we're doing that. In our own church, we're having to say, God, I'm sorry for, and, and we've never been about show or anything, but we're, we really are, are, are having to say, God, in every service, what are you doing? As opposed to following a run sheet, as opposed to following the order of service, as opposed to, Lord, what are you doing in the room right now? Lord, if you don't want me to preach for 45 minutes this week, if you want me to preach for 20 and pray for people for the next 25, we'll do that. And it's just about giving Jesus back his church and giving Jesus back his, his, making him the full center and priority of our lives because we all lose our way a little bit. We all go off and, and, and we are all aware of the high profile churches and leaders that that has happened to. But the truth is that within all our hearts, there's pride, there's ambition, there's wrong motives and and i really just believe this is a time for repentance and coming back to the lord and humbling ourselves before him and allowing him to heal us and restore us because as the shaking and the sifting and the the squeezing continues in our world god is going to need a people who are pure who are bold who are courageous who aren't tainted and sullied but who are actually prepared for those seasons of shaking where the world are going to come and go, we don't know where to turn. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, there's a lot of darkness and there's a lot of shaking in our world, but I really, I believe so much that this is one of the, probably the greatest opportunity of our lifetime that we're going to see to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. I really do. If you look historically, every revival happens during a period of great upheaval and shaking. When the crutches that people have been leaning on are taken away from them. When the things that we have put our hope and our faith in crumble, people turn around and they go, where do I go? And this is an opportunity for the church of Jesus Christ to say, we have hope. But what we had a few years ago was entertainment. It was good. And what we had in many cases was a great show. Or what we had was a, a way of doing things that that was able to, to um, grasp a crowd emotionally for 45 minutes or an hour. And what Jesus wants is people to come into his presence and to encounter him and his power and his spirit. I always say this, and I think it was one of my former pastors said this. If you win people with entertainment, you've got to keep them with entertainment and the world will always entertain better than the church. But if you win them with the word of God and the presence of God, the world has no substitute for that. And so even in our own church, we are really prioritizing his presence. We're giving more time over to worship than we've ever done. We're being so intentional about what we sing, that they're songs of exaltation, that they're songs of, of, of the character and the nature of God, because for a long time, worship became, we're going to do this, and I am, and I will. And I always say, when I go to church, I don't need to sing about me. I'm self-obsessed enough. When I go to church, I want to get my eyes off me and I want to fix my eyes on him. And as we sing about him and as we glorify him, do you know what? He comes into the room. Mm. 
because who doesn't want to be in a room where they're being glorified and people are speaking well of them? And so I really believe this is a time for the church to go, God, we are just throwing away all the stuff that we have added that you never asked us to do. And we're getting back to the heart of what this is about, which is what? It's about worshiping Jesus. It's about preaching the word. It's about praying for the sick. It's about reaching the lost. It's about clothing the naked. It's about feeding the poor. It's about being the hands and feet of Jesus instead of trying to be the best show in town. And I believe that as we do that, as we go out and bring the gospel and word and deed to a broken and needy and desperate world, we are going to see a response like we have never seen before. These are going to be days of glory in the midst of great darkness. Isaiah 60, you know, where it says, in deep darkness, the glory of the Lord rises upon you. That's the days that we are living in right now. Wow. I just, I think that's, that's the scripture right there. And it, in darkness, light will shine lighter, you know, and always, and it can be as dark as it can be, it can be the darkest hour and God's light will still permeate that darkness and his people will shine. Like we are cities on a hill and yeah. he's, and, and his people and what he's doing is going to be seen and, um, and he won't, he's not going to let it get blocked. And I, I just think that's such a, a message of hope. Um, amidst and people are going to be looking for hope. I mean, there's a there's a lack of hope right now, and uh, people need it more than ever. And the church carries the message of hope, and you know we are we are those um, we are those bearers, and uh, we need to be more vocal, we need to be more bold, we need to be more obedient, we need to we need to hear God better than we ever have, and, uh, yeah. and that's that's spot on. You know, um, we've never done this before. Dan's probably wondering what I'm about to say, <laughs> but I, you know, as you were talking, I just, I really felt it pressed upon my spirit that we should just take a minute and pray over those things collectively on this podcast. Yeah. yeah. Um, so if, if you wouldn't mind leading us in that, yeah, of course, we'll, we'll be in agreement. Um, again, yeah. never done it, but yeah, no, let's yeah. do it. Absolutely. And then we can close it out and, and well, yeah. what, what amazing, that's great. And so for every person listening to the sound of our voices right now, I want to decree and declare that you are called and chosen by God for such a time as this, that he has anointed you with his power and he has appointed you to go and make disciples. And so I pray the blessing of God upon you. I pray the protection of God upon you. But most of all, I pray the unfilling of the Spirit of God upon you, that you would know that you are called for such a time as this, and that he would give you courage, and that he would give you the resources to go into your community, into your workplace, into your street, into your family, and bring the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ in word and in deed. And I pray for every person listening to this, that you would understand the glorious inheritance that you have in Christ, that you have every spiritual blessing and that you lack nothing in him, and that you would go in the power of his Holy Spirit to reach a lost and broken world, that Jesus Christ might receive the full inheritance that he shed his blood for on the cross.
And I pray this in the mighty and strong name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 So Greg, how, how can our listeners, so powerful. Wow. Thank you. That's good. How can our listeners connect with you and, and, and get your daily uh, prophetic emails? Yeah, uh, if you just go to, if you're on Instagram, daily.prophetic is probably the best way, or dailyprophetic.com, um, everything's there. And so, yeah, if you want to connect, there's you can sign up for my mailing list there as well, and you'll receive emails from that. But that's daily, if you just Google Craig Cooney or Daily Prophetic, you'll, you'll find me somehow there. Absolutely. Wow. It's so hard to just want to linger and, you know, you just feel the presence when you're praying and when you're speaking and just, you know, just... I think there's just this, there's a story in the scriptures where there's two disciples walking after Jesus was, uh, you know, crucified and, and, and they're walking and it's, they're talking and then Jesus comes and appears to him. And then, and then he, he's gone. And they're like, were our hearts not burning mm. when he was with us? And I think that that's the sense of, you know, I was having, like, I think when we're operating in the spirit and God is doing things, our hearts burn. And like, that's one of the ways that we can just know that that's, yeah. that's God. And so, um, it's hard to turn away from that burning of the spirit <laughs> and say, okay, we got to wrap it up. But, um, but yeah, Craig, we are just so excited for what God's doing in you and through you. And yeah, we know you've blessed us. We know you've blessed uh, a lot of people and we just continue to speak favor and blessing over thank what you. your hand to and um, we just thank you for your time today. And, and thank you, Dan and Amanda, on. and thank you for having me in your show. It's been it's been wonderful to chat to you and to your audience.